Hello and welcome to another Real Estate Investment Insights. I'm your host, Derek Doak, and today I'm outside Honors Coffee and Tea in Bellevue. Uh, and actually, this is an impromptu uh, podcast with, uh, I consider, a friend as well as somebody I've done a fair amount of business with, Rob Spidel uh, with Inland Securities. And we had a great meeting last night with uh, uh, some wealth managers and other brokers, and we were really talking about DSTs. And what's come to a lot of our attention is that a lot of brokers just don't know what a DST is or how to use a DST to get more listing appointments. So I wanted to grab Rob out of the hotel, bring him outside here, and do a little podcast on just how can brokers use DSTs uh, to get additional listing appointments and just kind of give a little background on DSTs in Inland. Um, and so uh, I want to pass it over and have Rob introduce himself and introduce who Inland is. Um, I've worked with Inland. Uh, everybody I've worked with is great. Um, all the reps, everybody you could imagine, are very supportive. Um, I know there's other providers out there, but um, I really have found uh, my experiences with Inland to be great. So uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to share Rob with the brokerage world and uh, Inland Securities as a as a, a solution. So, um, Rob, why don't you introduce yourself to the crowd and the audience and talk about who you are and who Inland is. Sure, happy to. Uh, and thanks again, Derek, for the opportunity. So a little little background on Inland Real Estate. We have a really unique story, not only in the commercial real estate world, but also you know, from an American success story. We were founded uh, in the mid-1960s by four Chicago public school teachers who were looking for a way to supplement their income when the kids were away on summer vacation. And make no mistake, these were not uh, gentlemen from means, right? That They came from nothing. Um, fathers were uh, salesmen and, and barbers and janitors, right? But what they did, they, they pulled some money together, uh, raised money from other Chicago public school district teachers, bought some land, eventually became the largest apartment complex owner in the Chicagoland area. Uh, early 1980s, one of the top three apartment complex owners in the country. Late 1980s became Walmart's largest landlord outside of the Walton family and really have turned that into one of the largest privately held commercial real estate companies in the country. Yeah. Really a, a, just a fascinating story yeah, all it, around. And the story, I, I've always loved the story because I have known a fair amount of teachers like from my middle school days that built apartments during the summertime, yeah. right? That they, they needed something to do and wanted to augment their income. Yep. And uh, and so when I heard the story of these four gentlemen doing this, I was like, man, it's, it's, it's like, well, what an opportunity. One, they're providing education to the kids, and then they're turning around and building wealth creation for themselves and others that invested with them. So, uh, great yeah, story. really kind of neat. I mean, they, they got all the way up, you know, raising uh, capital from other Chicago, uh, Chicago public school district teachers, got up to a, a around a million dollars, which in, you know, in that time was a lot of money, yeah, it is. right? That was a lot of money. And, and they, they just came to the point where they could no longer remain as teachers with this real estate side business. They needed to retire as teachers and really focus on the real estate yeah. company. Yeah. And, and really just push forward ever from there. Really just, just a fascinating story. See, and that's the education they should be teaching in high school. Right. You know, we never took the classes on how to make money. Right. <laughs> right. I think there, there should be something about, and how to keep money. Yeah. Those are the two classes I think our kids need in high school. Well, that's a, that's a podcast <laughs> for another day. Boy, and that would, be an, that would be an hour or two podcast right there. For sure. For sure. Um, when, when I think of Inland, and, 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 and I did a bunch of research when I was uh, looking for a solution for the clients I work with, mm. um, I mean, Inland's such 
I consider a gold standard when it comes to the industry and there's other providers as I mentioned, but they offer so much solutions and so much variety of, of options. Um, I think talking about a DST and I think comparing them, right? Because we all heard a lot about ticks in the day. There's a lot of ticks that were out there and everyone heard about them, good or bad. Um, and then you hear about investing in REITs. Um, maybe what's, give a little bit of a background or a little bit more color to the differences between a tick, uh, a REIT, and a DST. Sure. Uh, a REIT is an operating company. And so investors, when they invest in a REIT, they, they buy shares in the operating company and it's the operating company that owns the property. So that's, it's considered an indirect ownership. They okay. don't directly own the real estate in there, which for 1031 exchange purposes, right, you need to have direct ownership of okay. property. And with the REIT, it's a great structure, right? It, it, it's, a, it's a great method for investing in real estate, but for the purposes of 1031, it, it's not going to qualify. Yeah. Uh, a tenant in common, or, or tick, uh, was were really very prevalent in the 90s, early 2000s, uh, we sort of look at the tenant in common as herding cats, right? Because most of the tenant in commons would allow for 35 investors in a property. Each investor in a tenant in common needed to be underwritten by the lender at multiple levels, local, state, federal level. Each investor in a tenant in common needed to bring not only their equity, but their debt to the table at the same time to close on the property. Yeah. And because each investor in a tenant in common was responsible for their portion of the debt, each investor in a tenant in common had full control. And yeah. that, that's the problem, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in the, it just takes would, one, right? One person says, you know what? Either I don't want to sell for selfish reasons or I just want to sell to be a jerk, whatever it is, that stops the deal. Correct. And, and, and that was the problem. That was the flaw with the, the tenant yeah. in common. Uh, is that you would need unanimous consent from the collective in order to make any material decisions on the property. Refinancing, retenanting, selling, right? You would need all 35 investors on the same page at the same time in order to, to move forward yeah. with, uh, with the sale. Um, so we saw that that was sort of a clunky structure. And Inland went to uh, work with our legal team uh, worked with the IRS in the early 2000s, helped create a white paper. Uh, trust structures are nothing new uh, in real estate, but traditionally it had been for single owners with regards to real estate. Yeah. Uh, we saw that there was an opportunity to create a structure uh, that would allow for multiple real estate owners participating in one project at a time. And so we worked with our, through our legal team, we worked with the IRS, drafted a white paper, helped create a revenue ruling. That revenue ruling 2004-86 states that fractional ownership interest in a properly created trust will meet the criteria for like-kind exchange, which those of you that understand 1031 exchange, you know like-kind is really the threshold to be able to do the 1031 exchange in the first place. Both the relinquished property and the replacement property must be considered like-kind. Now, fortunately, as I like to say, the rules for like-kind are really very vague. A lot of people think that if you sell a purple 
property, you have to exchange into a purple property, but really that's not the case. You can go from farmland, ranch land into an apartment property. You can go from a single family rental property into self-storage properties. You can go the other way. You can yeah. go from an office building back into single family rental properties. Uh, but the most important criteria there is is both the relinquished property and the replacement property must be of yeah. like kind. So business or economic purposes. Yeah, and, and, and I and I found that the flexibility, mm. when I think of it, you know, if, if I invest in a REIT, I'm just going through my Schwab account and I'm buying into a REIT, whatever is in my portfolio. Um, the ticks that I've been a part of have been closely held ticks, family members that have held them. Um, so there wasn't an issue with somebody not wanting to sell. But with the DST, the flexibility that my clients are able to receive on the brokerage side where I'm helping them sell their property and then find the solution that could go across multiple DSTs, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just the, that'd be like for like, it doesn't have to be, like you said, a purple property for a purple property. It could be a retail and they made a lot of money on it and have a lot of equity. And then now they've moved that into a multifamily in another territory in the country or a fulfillment center in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And it's from the same funds that got identified in that 45 day period. And I think that's the important thing from a brokerage perspective is, is understanding there's that flexibility and there's the ability to find what you need that's going to help your client. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I think helps when people understand that on the difference between the three, that the DST is going to give you a lot more flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to know, too, as a DST, you don't have ownership. I mean, you don't have control. So that's okay with if you're looking at the right DST platform. And that's my caution out to anybody on this podcast listening to it is make sure you do the research on who you're working with as a DST provider or sponsor because they're the ones controlling the deal and you want to make sure that you really vet them out of, of who you're going to work with which is how I ended up at Inland is after I did my vetting it worked for me and my clients um, and what we're doing so um, I think the, the kind of the kind of I guess kind of work from that is talking around kind of the best practices right so I, I know from my experience how I've used it with clients that are either tired of managing or none of the kids want to take over the property. It always seems to be the investor that I have that's in their, you know, I'd say 55 to 75 and they're done with doing day-to-day -day management and they just want to go into not pay tax, defer it and go into an institutional grade type investment. Um, and, uh, and so they look for that solution. Uh, how do you see it being used? in the marketplace and what kind of what's the kind of the makeup of those who do trade into a, a DST from a client perspective the DST is very simple the DST allows investors real estate investors to enjoy the benefits of owning real estate without the headaches of managing the property at the end yeah. of the day that's what yeah. the DST can be for investors um, I would say 90 95% of the time when I'm invited to meet with a financial advisor and client, these are clients that have purchased investment properties in their 30s and 40s. Now they're in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and they're tired of the headaches of managing the property. What we would refer to as, as the terrible T's of real estate, toilets and tenants and trash and taxes and termites, right? Owning real estate is great. Owning rental properties is great. But if the toilet explodes at two in the morning, you're the one that gets the phone call. Yeah. And you can outsource that to a management company that will lower your return a little bit. Or if you're gonna manage them yourself, you're the one that has to get up and, and fix that. Yeah. Um, if somebody vacates one of your units, you're out of pocket, you're out of income yep. You know, for 
X months until you can get that filled. You know, the DST really relieves a lot of those headaches, those burdens that come with real estate investing from the investors. Yeah. Right? Uh, it professionally managed, higher quality property, higher credit tenants, diversified across the country, diversified across sector. It it, it really can solve. Uh, it's really very elegant in yeah. its in its structure and its and its uh, composition. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I, I I love the flexibility, especially if I have a client that's they know they have they've identified another property they want to acquire, but it doesn't take up all the room they have in their 1031. Sure. So I love using, I call it a stopgap. Sure. You know, I identify a DST right at the beginning and help the clients identify what they're looking for. Um, they have to work through their wealth advisor or registered investment advisor to help guide them um, as far as the asset class goes and everything else. But my role is to try to put them in that position to look at them. Um, and they use it as a stopgap. Uh, or they're looking at it from that standpoint of no one in the family really wants to tend to it. Um, they know they're going to get a step up in basis when the time does come, unfortunately, when they pass and leave us in this world today. Um, and then they have that in shares that can then be allocated to their heirs, um, which, uh, which they, you know, like. So, uh, so I'm sold on them as a tool yeah. uh, and especially uh, showing clients how they can benefit from the upside on it. Uh, as a broker, and this is what I want to have the theme on is how do I utilize a DST to get that relationship with a potential seller? And what we're hearing, especially in today's environment, is that it's hard to find listings because most people don't know what to go into. Right. And I think the more educated a broker can be on what a DST is and the value it brings to the table, and it's going to help them get that listing appointment and show them here's another option or options because you can you can 1031 into multiple DSTs uh, versus just the one. Um, I guess my question to you is, how are you seeing brokers out there, and I say brokers, I mean real estate brokers, uh, commercial brokers particularly, um, how do you see them utilizing DST as a relationship builder with a potential prospect or client? So I, I'm going to give kind of a long-winded answer here, but... Well, good, know, I, had a long, I had a long-winded question. Which is, so, yeah, so, so it works out perfect. It works out well. <laughs> you know, thinking back to Inland's history, we've been doing exchanges for, for decades. We founded a company in 2001 called Inland Private Capital because we saw that there was a need at the investor level to take the legwork out of the exchange process. Now, those, those folks that understand 1031, heck, I've been saying for years, the biggest challenge with 1031 exchange is the 45 days. That's the biggest challenge. Now, you sell your property today and you've got 45 days to identify replacement property. Well, that's not a lot of time, even in a non-COVID environment. It's not yeah. a lot of time to find properties, do inspections on properties, leases, financing, all of the things that, that come with buying a, a piece of real estate. It's just not a lot of time. And so the value that the DST brings to the table in the 1031 process is we purchase properties using our own balance sheet. We structure the deal. Uh, some offerings will have financing that we secure at the entity level. Others do not. Uh, so we often have an all-cash offering available. Uh, sometimes we'll have a, a high loan-to-value offering available. But we've done all the legwork. We package that. And then we offer that through licensed financial advisors or registered investment advisors that are part of our selling group. And so by the time it gets in your hands and on the client's desk, everything's been done. Yeah. And it allows people to complete the 1031 exchange on their own timeline. And, and, and that 
really becomes one of the more fascinating aspects of it because yeah. you can you can really look at that and apply any number of applications to it. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, case in point, I got a call. I I, I got a call a couple days ago uh, from a CBRE broker in Portland. Um, his client's 45th day was that day, right? I'm, I'm talking to him at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. He's only got a couple of hours, right? Uh, again, the value, think of the value of the DST. We've already purchased the property. We've already structured the deal. Yep. Great, we can get addresses out within five minutes. Uh, it, it can be that easy. Yeah, So. Yeah, and I find uh, the more you can do with your clients up front and show the value there, mm-hmm. and again, for the brokers that are listening to the podcast and uh, investment agents, the, the ability to say, here's a solution. Right. It, it doesn't have to be, I mean, there's properties coming online all the time. I mean, I found within when there's three to five properties that at any given time, it seems like that's available mm-hmm. um, to look at. And so I think from a, a broker's perspective, you, you network with a good wealth advisor or registered investment advisor, as Rob talked about, and you get that person on your team so that when you're talking with a potential seller, you can bring somebody to the table that can talk about it. Because we as brokers on the real estate side, one, we're not licensed to sell the product, so we can't sell the product. We can inform people on what the product is, but you got to bring in an expert to do it. And two, we don't get paid on those deals, which is fine, but you're doing the right thing for your client and you're potentially getting a listing that yep. wouldn't have been a listing. And I think that's important to note is that you're trying to find these solutions. And I think the more that brokers can understand what DSTs are and how to utilize them and then find a wealth advisor, registered investment advisor in their community that they can work with, um, they'll have an opportunity to go out and get those kinds of deals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what we've done. Right. You, you and I have done together. We've worked with a couple of different wealth advisors uh, to put the clients I've worked on into those deals. Um, and uh, and I think it's come back to, and they, they're happy. I mean, they, they love the opportunity. No more dealing with tenants, you know, institutional grade investment. They're coming in. They have no personal guarantees on the loans. I mean, all the things that would go through in that type of partnership is, uh, you know, it's a good, it's, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. Um, yeah, I think a couple of the words that you've used just in the last couple of minutes are, are flexibility and solutions. And I, I think those are wholly appropriate when we talk yeah. about the DST, especially for the brokers, right? This can be a great tool. The, uh, you know, I've come to say, as corny as it sounds, the DST can be whatever you need it to be. Yeah. If you sell a property for $3 million and you don't want to manage real estate anymore, great. You can take that $3 million and put it into two, three, four, five different DST offerings, diversified by sector, diversified by, uh, by region, diversified by tenant, yeah. diversified by sponsor, uh, possibly. Uh, but you're spreading that risk around yeah. a, a little bit. Or, on the other hand, if you sell a property for $3 million and your, your real estate broker finds you a $2.7 million worth of replacement property, great. We can take that other 300000 what I would call the, the scraps or the leftovers, and put that into two or three yep. DST offerings and, and prevent the taxable event. One thing you yep. said earlier, uh, team. I, I, I think 1031 exchange is the best well, networking it, opportunity. It, it's yeah. such a hot opportunity. You can hear the fire trucks coming right now, right? They, they heard us talking. It's already live, and they're saying, right. we're going to get over and check, put this fire out because DSCs are such a hot, hot topic. Send help. <laughs> no, I, I think from a networking standpoint, 1031 is the best tool yep. that, that Inland uh, has to help financial advisors, help real estate brokers grow yep. their business. Yep. And, and, but just because, think of all of the different professions that participate in a 1031 exchange. You've got brokers, you've got CPAs, you've got attorneys, 
Uh, there's a qualified intermediary yep. involved. Financial advisors are involved. Yep. All of these different people, it, 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 it represents a nice networking opportunity. If you can get people together and have a team approach. If I'm an investor and I can have CPA, attorney, QI, broker, financial advisor, all as part of my team, sponsor, like yep. Inland, as part of the team, great, I'm going to feel real good about my, my solutions as yep. they present themselves. Yeah, I mean, you're calling on potential prospects on listings with a lot of horsepower, mm -hmm. right? And a, and a solution, mm -hmm. not just the, I'm going to go try and find a 1031 additional asset to trade into. It's, right. we have a solution. Just find where does it fit and what does it fit for right. you? Um, and I think with brokers for the listing tool, I mean, I, I run into a lot of brokers whose clients just don't want to sell yep. uh, for various reasons. One, they don't want to sell because they don't want to pay the tax, especially here in the Northwest, you know, up and all up and down the West Coast, uh, East Coast. You've seen highly appreciated real estate. People don't want to sell because they don't want to pay the tax. Yep. That's going to be a heavy burden that they're going to have to be faced with. Um, or they're at that point where they don't want to manage property anymore. They know about 1031 exchange, but they don't want to exchange from one property to another or one set of headaches to another set of headaches. So they're content just to sit tight and, and hold on to their real estate. It, it represents an opportunity for the, the brokers of the world to educate the client on the DST, a, a, a vehicle that allows them to be active from a real estate investing standpoint, but from a management standpoint, remain purely passive. Yep. And the hope would be that this unlocks a potential listing for the realtor, for yep. the broker, right? They may have, a, as any realtor or broker looks at their CRM, they may have five or 10 or 15 clients that, that fit that bill. And on yep. those clients, they don't have any listings, yep. right? And, and this is a real nice way to provide education to the client about something that they've probably never heard of, right? DSTs yep. within the whole 1031 world, really very, very small fraction yep. uh, of that world. Uh, it, it's a nice opportunity for the realtor broker, provide a little education on the DST and, and possibly get a listing that they may not have gotten yep. in the past. That's, where, that's one of the main applications that I see the DST being used for realtors yep. and brokers. It, I, where I've, I've seen it is that people are trading out of an asset class and they're stepping up the asset class mm. and stepping up the financing. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I've seen, you know, we've had clients we've worked on where they've had, you know, one particular small property that's pretty dilapidated, mm. but the land is so valuable. Mm. And then they're trading that in and they're getting into a higher quality class A um, uh, multifamily or class A storage facility, a, a pool of storage facilities. I mean, so it's, it's uh, you're, you're stepping up your asset class. It's kind of monopoly, right? You buy a house, you get four houses, then you get a hotel. You get the hotels. Yep. Now the next one should be a DST. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change the monopoly and I'm gonna add a DST right. now to you know the next one up besides getting all the uh, the hotels on the uh, yeah. the property. Trade go. in four hotels and get a DST. But the the idea of being able to utilize that as a broker um, and there's people that can help support you. I think that's the other thing to understand. And you mentioned earlier about building your team. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in building a team. Mm -hmm. And not only for one solution, but building a team for just helping you in your own business and getting referrals. So if you help them make money, they're going to help you make money. So forget the not getting paid a fee on doing a DST. Just think of the relationships you forge with the intermediary or, or dealing with the people that are on the team, the CPA of your client and everybody else. That's opportunity for you to build that relationship and get other types of referrals as well. That's right. And you're going to get a potential listing. I mean, so I, I just want people to think outside the box from, yeah, you don't get paid a fee, but you're getting paid more than that. You're getting relationships that are networkable 
to get more deals. And at the end of the day, you're, you're doing something that's in the best interest of the client. Absolutely. Right? Which, is, Absolutely. which is, is really paramount. Yeah, and most brokers, that's what, that's what, that's what we want to do. We want to provide that value. We, we, we provide expertise around the asset class, but we're not experts in DSTs, nor we should be. Right. We want to bring in a team that can do that. So, um, well, this has been great, Rob. I appreciate the input. Um, I think it's valuable. I'm, I'm really sold on this as a great tool uh, to help our clients, especially the ones that do not want to property manage anymore their assets or deal with the properties in day to day, or they feel like they've got so much equity that the return they're getting on their equity is so low, right? And the ones that we've worked on before, I mean, their, their returns were so low based on their equity, not what they bought the property for, but what the equity is in there. We wanted to unlock that tax-free deferred into an opportunity. So yep. um, I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, so before we part, um, one is how can they find out more information about Inland and what a DST is? I know you guys have some great resources on your website. I've been there quite a bit uh, getting more information. Uh, what could you tell them? Where, they, where can they go get that information? Yeah, they can go to our website. It's inland-investments.com. Uh, there they'll be able to find information on the Delaware Statutory Trust, uh, read offerings, uh, all kinds of education okay. on that website. All right. Well, this has been great. Um, and yes, as you can hear from the sound around us, you know, the Northwest has opened up for business. People are getting more active and out and about, which is great to see. Uh, and, uh, and I want to let everybody out there know that DSTs are wide open. And if there's any opportunities uh, for me to have a conversation around how I use DSTs, don't hesitate to send me a note. Um, or give me a call. I'm more than happy to do that. So uh, once again, thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. I think I appreciate all the support Elon's given me and uh, help my clients. And I hope everybody out there the best. Have a great day. Thanks, Derek. Thank you.